You're listening to Soul Roadmap, episode number 14. Welcome to Soul Roadmap Podcast. Each week, you'll hear strategies and inspiration to take action and live life better. Hi, I'm Dina Cataldo, lawyer, coach, and entrepreneur. This podcast is your roadmap to creating more success in your life, business, and relationships. Let's get started. Time. We all want more of it. If you're listening to this, you're likely a hardworking person, and sometimes you may feel burned out or overwhelmed. You don't have to feel this way. Why is it so difficult for us to ask for help when we need it? Sometimes we say it's the money. We don't have enough of it. Maybe we think we can do it better or faster than anyone else, so we don't want to hand a task over to someone. Or maybe you're like me and felt guilty hiring someone to do it for you. Today, we're going to bust through these detrimental mindsets and discover what we need to do to make the time we want in our lives. My guest today is in the business of giving you your time back, and we talk about how she has worked through these very same issues and helped her clients to do so too. Trevinia Barber is the founder of Priority VA, a boutique virtual assistant agency. You'll want to listen in if you're curious about the mindset of an owner of a million-dollar company grown over just a few short years. You'll also want to listen in if you feel like you don't know if you can start your own business because you have too many responsibilities. Well, no more excuses. My guest today started her business while raising and adopting four children with her husband. And you'll also want to hear her morning routine, which helped her lose a great amount of weight after she spent the last few years building her business and putting her health last. It's pretty amazing. Trevinia got tired of seeing hardworking, growth-minded entrepreneurs get overwhelmed and burnt out while scaling their business to the next level. She's worked with the biggest names in the online business space, including Amy Porterfield, Todd Herman, and John Lee Dumas. Trevinia mentions some great resources in the interview that will help you make time, including a guide to get you thinking about what you can outsource in your business and personal life. That will be in the show notes at dinacataldo.com forward slash episode 14. I've also created a quickie PDF checklist for you that you can download that walks you through her morning routine if you want to try it yourself. You can get that at dinacataldo.com forward slash episode 14 too. Trevinia introduces herself in this episode, so let's listen in. Hi, Trevinia. How are you doing this morning? Oh my gosh, I'm so glad to be here with you. I'm doing great. Ah, I'm so glad you're here. I remember you from Amy Porterfield's event a few years back, and I just thought you were fantastic. And of course, you were on top of everything because you were helping in that event. But I just, I just thought, wow, what an opportunity to get a chance to speak with you and bring your message to my audience who is all about designing their life the way they want it and optimizing their life. So if you could please introduce yourself and just give them a little bit of background of what you do. For sure. Well, yeah. So I'm Trevenia Barber and I own a company called Priority VA. We're a virtual staffing company that helps entrepreneurs outsource a lot of things in their life. Most of the time, it's typically business-related things, but sometimes we dive into the personal aspects of life as well. 
but I typically tend to work with entrepreneurs who are breaking into the online space and they need support administratively or with some marketing things in their business. And so I've got a team of about 83 subcontracted virtual assistants that work with clients all over the globe. So it's a really fun time to be in business right now. My understanding is, and correct me if I'm wrong, but in addition to working with people who might have a business in the online space, you also work with people who might, let's say, have a veterinarian's practice or a law firm or something like that, that they need some help. Dentists, lawyers, pastors who work in churches. I work have worked with physicians before, um, ER doctors. And the basis of that is, is really... Everybody needs support. You know, the the sort of tagline to our business is don't do it alone, whether that's life or business. We want people to get the support that they need. And so, yeah, it extends well beyond anyone just in the online space. What kind of things do you do for someone who might have a physical business or practice? Like, are there common things that people ask you for? Yeah, a lot of what we do for those types of clients is a lot of email management, sometimes invoicing, you know, expense reporting, things like that. It can be, we've worked with some Amazon sellers that where it's literally dealing with wholesalers and stuff and like relationship management. It can be onboarding of new clients or customers in a one-on-one kind of coaching relationship that's not online, right? We've done a lot of that for like therapists and stuff like that, getting all the forms, booking appointments. It can be Oh, it can be so varied. What, what we often tell people is we can do anything except bring your coffee to you, but we can <laughs> find someone to bring it to you, right? So there's so many different avenues to getting support in your life and in your business. We happen to do it virtually, right? We're not sitting right next to you. But so many of the things that many of us do, even in our brick and mortar businesses, it can be automated. So we can bring in technology, you know, in a way that sometimes people's minds are blown, but like, what do you mean that we can have a coupon code that someone puts in at a register and we capture their email address, right? Like that blows their mind. And so it's great ways to bring technology even into the physical space of brick and mortar stuff. I love your tagline, don't do it alone, because it's so easy. I know it has been for me, so I'll speak to myself to feel like we have to do it all. We have to be the one who manages everything, that we have to have our hands in everything. And if we're not feeling busy or if we're not feeling like we are doing it ourselves, then somehow we're failing and we're not going to be as successful as we need to be. Can you explain your philosophy around that? Yeah. you know, I think that that hustle harder mentality has actually really become a destructive pattern for a lot of entrepreneurs and founders. I think, you know, moms can feel that way in their in their life, right? If they're not doing the next Pinterest project with their kid, they feel like a failure. So this isn't just for business owners, but what I see a lot happening in this space is that founders are becoming what I tend to call a helicopter CEO, right? Like they won't let go of anything in their business because they feel like they can do it faster, they can do it better. They don't have to pay for them to do it, right? They always think of getting support and getting help as an expense, not an investment. And so I tend to kind of want to crush that mentality of like must work harder. But I don't like the idea of like working smarter either because I feel like that just is sort of a place of judgment of like you're not doing it right, you know? And so I want to help people figure out how they can work at their best, at their best. It doesn't, their best might be very different from someone else's best. And so you might enjoy working 30 hours a week where there's someone else who that four-hour work week is perfect for them, right? And so 
I'll never be the person who doesn't work. I enjoy work. I get a lot of fulfillment from my work. But even I've had to learn to let go of the things that I wasn't that good at or wasn't the best use of my time. I can sit and scroll Facebook and engage with people all day long. It's fun. I enjoy it. But is that the best use of my time? No, it's actually not. Writing content and creating and doing podcast interviews and speaking, those are the things that actually bring revenue into our business. And so we've got to shift from thinking you have to do it all and kind of playing martyr in your business, right? Mm-hmm. Like, hey, I'll do it. Like, oh, it's my baby. And you know, I've got to handle it. And just saying, like, how can I get someone to do this? Maybe not as well as me, but maybe 90% as good as I do, right? So that I can free up that time to do the things that I know I am 100% amazing at that only I can do in the business. And you probably just answered my next question, which was, how do you talk to people who come to you and want to work with you, but still have that mentality? How do you approach them? Well, I, if I was in person, I would kick them in the shins, but since <laughs> I'm not, um, I think that, you know, I tend to, to kind of have tough conversations with our clients. You know, they come to us and I literally was just having a conversation with a gal who ended up becoming a coaching client of mine. But what she was telling me, was, it was like, I don't have the right team and sort of blaming the team, team, team. It was all everyone's fault that she was so stressed out and had so much anxiety. And what we ended up kind of coming to the realization is that she had a lot of control issues, right? Because she, she did get burned in the past by a team that she had hired years ago. And so she sort of built up that barrier that if I don't hover and I don't double check everything, then something's going to go out wrong. And so I tell them, like, there is going to be spilled milk. Like, you never do anything 100% correct 100% of the time. And so I think it's bad for us to anticipate that anyone else would as well, right? And so again, it's that whole mentality of just like with our like 80-20 rule, right? Like 80% of the time you're on point, but then that 20%, like, yes, you're going to have the chili cheese dog, right? And so the same thing is true in our business. 80% of the time, if our team is crushing it and if they have a bad day, 20% of the time, every once in a while, that's okay. And we'll get over it. And so when people are struggling to delegate, I often tell them, delegation is like a muscle we have to flex, right? So we have to practice it and it's going to hurt, right? (laughs) Just like working out. You know, you're going to have that day where like you feel like you can't get up in the morning, right? But with delegation, it's the same thing. You're going to have that feeling where you're like, I should just do this myself. Never mind. They're not going to do it right. But if you will push through that, and I typically tell people at that 45 day mark is typically when they start to be like, okay, I'm starting to see like the reprieve. I can feel that the person is starting to understand me and my business, but most people will stop. Like at that 30 days, they're like, I can't do this anymore. This is a waste of time and money, right? They start freaking out, but push through and, and you'll see the sort of rewards that start to be reaped as a, as a result of that. Well, that's another objection that I hear a lot, right? Is that, well, you know, I can do it myself. I, I don't want to spend the money. I feel like I can't afford it. And I mean, my opinion is, is you can't afford not to because you can make more money. You can create things that you can sell, Mm -hmm. but you can't buy your time unless you are paying for somebody to give you more. Yeah. I responded to a Facebook post once where someone just said, in one sentence or in one word, if you had to describe what you sell, what would it be? And I said, time. That's what I sell. 
I sell people's time back so that you can be spending it in the way that you want to, whether that's the soccer game that you want to go to, right? Or maybe it's just like actually looking at your family across the dinner table instead of being on your phone, you know, answering an email again, right? So yeah, I definitely sell time. And if people can start to understand what their time is worth to them, if you're an attorney, maybe your hourly rate is several hundred dollars, but you're seriously like piddling over something that you could pay somebody $15 to do. Like mm. those are the types of sort of uh, harder conversations that I have with people to be like, let's realistically look at it and let's put it on paper. Cause a lot of our clients are very analytical. And when they see the data then they're like, Oh man, maybe I do need to try this. Right. And, and so, yeah, it's encouraging to, to see the results that can happen when we get out of our own way. So it's clear to me when I talk to you that this is really a mission of yours. Oh, yeah. And I want you to just tell us a little bit about how you became so involved and committed to this mission. Yeah. So, you know, I'd worked virtually for about 12 years before starting my business. And it all started with me working virtually when I had my first child. I worked for a corporate organization of physicians. And I used to go into work and drive 45 minutes every day and, you know, pay $8 to park and have to wear high heels and all that. And I remember like sitting in my cubicle all the time going, I could do this from home. Like, this is so stupid. Why are we doing this every day? And I would talk to my supervisors and I would tell them like, have you ever thought about maybe using this software or doing this or whatever? Right. And, and it was always like, you have to be in the cubicle. I have to be able to see you sort of thing. And I always used to ask them, can I work from home today? Can I just like show you like what I can get done for today? And they were just always so against it until I got pregnant and I was going to go on maternity leave. And I said, okay, like I'm out because I had saved up all my vacation and sick time and I was going to be gone for about four and a half months. And I was like, you know, see ya. And they were like, so that work from home thing, do you want to try it? (laughs) And it was really cool because they didn't do paid maternity leave. So I would have been, you know, unpaid for a lot of that time. And so I was like, okay, (laughs) yeah, we'll do it. And what they realized is like, holy cow, Trevenia is actually really effective at home. And I was at that point, I was working maybe six hours a day, three or four days a week. Nice. But I was working when I was on instead of clocking in at seven o'clock when I wasn't on, right? And so it was really, really an interesting experiment for them. And so when I came back from maternity leave, I said, can I work a day from home? And they said, yes. So then I had another child a couple of years later and I said, can I work two days from home? And they said, yes. And so when my husband and I decided to adopt our third daughter, she had a ton of therapy and I couldn't, I couldn't go in and out of the office anymore. It was like, I have to be all at home. And so I I went all virtual and they were amazing to let me do that. And that worked for years until they said they got bought out by a national organization and they said, like, come back into the office. Uh Um, I've been working in my pajamas for like four years now. I'm good. Like that's not happening. And so I went out on my own and I got some amazing clients. I got connected with Michael Hyatt, Mm. who really was such a great catalyst, I think, for me to see that I could be something more, interestingly. And then through him, I met Amy Porterfield and started working for her. And really at that time, when they started talking about me on their podcasts, calls just started coming in. And the entrepreneurial light bulb kind of went off of like, you could help people here because what I found people were wanting wasn't necessarily me. What they wanted was someone that they could trust, Mm -hmm. right? And they were feeling like they couldn't get that on their own or they didn't know where to look or how to find it. And so one of the jobs that I did in corporate was I onboarded physicians, right? Into this corporation. And sometimes I'd walk out of a meeting and I go, that guy's not going to work. 
And my whole team would be like, why? And I'm like, I don't know. It's just, he's not going to work. And then sure enough, like a few months later, he'd fail. You know, he'd be addicted to drugs or do something like that. Right. Oh my gosh. Right. But the girls in our office used to say like, you've got this spidey sense about people. And so I kind of took that into creating Priority VA about using that spidey sense of like, okay, you tell me what you want. I will go find it for you. And then I'll get you somebody who's not only based on skills, like that can do what you need them to do, but it's going to really be a long-term collaborative partner for you. That's going to have the temperament and the character and just that sort of pizzazz that you want them to have, right? Do you need a bulldog who's going to be like, you need to get this done, right? Or do you need someone who's going to be a little bit like loving and grandma type to you and kind of coddle you along because we all need different people. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Priority VA was born out of that about five and a half years ago. And it's just been so fun. And the passion I think really comes from a lot of people that come to us. I'll say it this way. They are just on the hump of reaching like kind of, I think the pinnacle of what their dreams are. Like they're right there but they're starting to be buried and they're starting to feel, I I hate using the word overwhelmed because working with overwhelmed people actually very much stresses me out. (laughs) We actually took it out of all of our marketing. So I'm like, oh, the overwhelmed people just are hard to deal with. They're rough. Mm. But just that level of stress that can come with success, right? And they start to kind of drop balls and they start to realize that they're never going to actually get to that place they want to go if they don't get support. And so I realized we're kind of like the push. We can like, shove them over the hump to get them where they want to go. But then conversely, I see the 83 women and a couple men, but mostly women that we have allowed to use the skills that I'd say God gave them to be able to contribute to the bottom lines of their family, right? To be able to feel like they're more than just a mom, right? Because some people struggle with that feeling of, do I choose work because I'm really good at work and I enjoy it? Or do I choose being a mom? And they feel like they have to choose one or the other. And Priority VA, I think, takes away that fear of having to choose. They get to go on the kindergarten field trip, but they also get to you know, contribute and make money and feel empowered by using the gifts that they've been given. Well, they're very much in a similar position that you were in. Exactly. And I, yeah, I love that, that you're able to now help people who were in that same position. Yeah. That's amazing to me. One of the things that really draws me to you and which I think shines through on your website is your commitment to integrity in everyone that you touch, you know, whether it's somebody who's coming to you or someone who is being hired by you. I just, I love the fact that you are so committed to integrity because it makes people instantly comfortable around you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the word integrity is just thrown around so easily this is so fascinating that we're having this conversation today because yesterday I sat on my laptop and we're kind of creating a brand guide for Priority VA. And I feel like every company should have a brand guide that when you're onboarding someone or when you're working with a new client or bringing on a new team member, that people kind of get who you are. And part of our brand guide listed out our core values. And I wanted to kind of expound on what they were and I wanted to put them in the right order. And it just was the weirdest like little experiment for me yesterday. And integrity was like third on the list. And I was like, I think it needs to be first. Like, I I think it needs to be first. And I kept like having such an issue about it, right? But the, the piece of integrity for me is like, you know, I have the word truth tattooed on my wrist. Like, it's that important to me that I, I just always want people to know where they stand with me, good or bad. You know, I've told clients before, we're not the right fit for you. And here's why, you know, we've been asked to do some kind of shady things sometimes 
maybe not necessarily illegal, but something that kind of skirts the line just a little bit, right? And it's, mm. and there would be plenty of people that would be totally okay with that, but it's not in line with my values. And I think that while having integrity is, is important, actually living it out every single day is probably most important to me. And, and it's in what we train our team and how we expect our clients to behave too. I just love that. I just love that. One of the questions that I have for you, because you, you've built a million dollar business. Like this is, this is not a small time gig for you. You yeah. have created something that goes beyond, and I'm going to guess here, maybe your original dream. Like, I don't know if this, did you already dream this big? No. I mean, if you think back into, so now it's hard with the years. So maybe seven years ago, eight years ago, I was working for another virtual assistant company and I was what was considered kind of their top tier VA. Uh, and I was making 13 bucks an hour. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, it blows my mind. And sometimes I still struggle with, is it all going to go away? And I'll have nightmares. Well, they're not kind of, they're not really nightmares, but I say I have nightmares about working at Starbucks. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's not a nightmare. That's a dream. <laughs> coffee for me. But yeah, so it, it's definitely different than what I thought it would be. Mm. Did you feel like there were some major mindset shifts that you had to make along the way in order to get to where you are now? Yeah. And I feel like I still have to make mindset shifts. For me, it's predominantly around money. I, I absolutely am terrified. I remember when I was matching clients with virtual assistants at the very beginning, <laughs> I, was, I, I didn't charge any sort of a setup fee or anything like that, right? And so I would spend sometimes 15, 20 hours like interviewing people and matching to get you the right assistant for you. And I didn't charge anything for that. And I remember a, a coach of mine said like, no, you need to start charging. And I was really reluctant but I started by charging $47. I was like, because I have a seven in it, right? Because that's what marketing says. That's what you're taught. Uh (laughs) So I went from 47 to 97. And then I like made a big jump to 197. And I thought, oh my gosh, like this, nobody's going to pay this. And then I, I leaped from 197, I think to 497. And then I was, again, same coach. And he's like, Trevenia, like you should be charging $2,500. And I was like, there is no way anyone is going to pay $2,500. And he's like, go back and try it. And so, you know, I was trying it and people weren't biting. They weren't paying it. And I went back to him at a, an event, it happened to be in person. And I'm just like, it's not working. And I'm crying and I'm just feeling all ridiculous about it. And he's like, you know, people aren't paying it, Trevenia, because you don't think you're worth it. Oh, And as soon as you believe that you're worth it, they'll pay it. And what was so great about it is that he made me do some kind of role-playing exercises a little bit. We kind of practiced how I should stand, how I should like feel like and kind of put yourself in that power position and not be like, well, um, okay, so my setup fee is right. And to just like stand in it. And I came home from that event. Oh, see, it gives me chills just thinking about it. (laughs) And people pay it all day long, like all day long now. And it's like, holy cow. Like I didn't believe that I could, that I was worth $2,500 for what I do that people tell me I'm amazing at doing. I just didn't think that I was worth it. And so that was the biggest mindset shift for me ever. And then there've been a lot of other ones along the way, like realizing that I needed a mentor and realizing myself that don't do it alone mantra that I couldn't, I'm not very strategic when it comes to my own business. I have vision and ideas for days for other people. And it comes to my business and I'm like, I don't know what to do. And so now I pay 
or rely on other friendships and relationships that can help me think strategically about what the next steps are for our business. And I think there's a sense of humility that has to come with that because we can get prideful and feel like I can't let anybody know that I don't know what I'm doing, mm. you know? And, and that was hard for me to get over that hump too. I used to never get on video if, if my hair wasn't completely done and I didn't have makeup and all that. And so, yeah, a lot of those things that we all struggle with. And that's like such a huge point, I think, for your audience to realize is that whether it's in a brick and mortar business and like showing up at a chamber meeting where you feel like maybe you don't fit in, right? Or going to a networking event or signing up for a a mastermind that maybe feels out of your price range right now, you've got to push yourself to do those hard things. You know, that whole we can do hard things. Like if you have to put it on your post, you know, put a post-it note on your computer. Do that because your lack of action is absolutely action. You know what I mean? It's you just marching in the same place all the time. That's all you're doing. And if you really want to get where you say you want to go, then you have to fight yourself. Yeah, I I completely agree with all of that, because if we don't get uncomfortable, we are never going to grow. Yeah. And there's no way you can go from you know, where you were seven years ago to where you are now. Yeah. If you had just decided you were going to march in place, like yeah. it's, it's that ability to just get uncomfortable and work through it, even though you're uncomfortable. Yeah. One of the things I wanted to ask you because you touched on it was not doing it yourself. And are there ways that you use virtual assistants in your life that maybe some of our listeners might want to take advantage of that? Or not even virtual assistants, but ways you can outsource your life so that you can create the time you need to build your empire? Yeah. Again, this is a, it's a, another mindset shift. But one of my mentors, Dan Martell, told me one time, he's like, do you have a housekeeper? And I was like, no. Like, come on now. That's that's for people that are doing way better off than I am. And he's like, Trevinia, uh, by the next time we get on a call, I want you to have a housekeeper at once a week, housekeeper. And I was like, okay. And I'm an implementer. And so I got a housekeeper and that was powerful. Me not doing laundry for four little ladies. Oh, wow. Like, holy cow. That saved me so much time. And just that, that mind space of like, I have to do laundry. I have to do laundry. Like school starts tomorrow and they don't have uniforms, you know, that, being gone from my brain is so powerful. Mm. And so that's something you can do. Even if it's like outsourcing someone to do your lawn work, gardening and things like that, cleaning your pool, those kinds of tasks that you can do and you actually might enjoy doing. Think of ways to outsource those types of things. My assistant who is virtual, she lives in Missouri. She has planned entire vacations for my family and I. She's planned entire events that are in North Carolina and she's in Missouri, and she handles all of the details of those for me so that I don't have to do it. I, I'll use a dentist as an example and not the girly doctor, but I'll get a postcard, right? They're like, it's time for my checkup. And I snap a picture of that postcard, and I send it to my assistant in Slack, and she makes the appointment for me. And I just see it on my calendar, and I show up. Can you explain what Slack is? Slack. Oh, you guys, it's magic. All <laughs> right. So Slack is like an online chat on steroids. You can have these things called channels in there to organize your, maybe your products or the areas of your business. Maybe there's an administration channel and a marketing channel and a finance channel, and you keep conversations in there. And it really helps for me in our business. It is eliminated so much back and forth email because we spend so much time in our email inbox. And so it's a way for me to communicate with my team on the fly, wherever I am. 
And how much time do you spend in your email with all of the emails that you get? So I feel a little bit ashamed to say this, but I should be totally proud. I actually don't have an inbox. I joke because a friend of mine, Taki Moore, said it is better to have zero inbox than it is inbox zero. Mm. And so I have outsourced my email to my assistant, Kim. She handles it. She is the first set of eyes on anything, anyone that yeah comes into my life. And I have actually just recently, probably about a year ago, gave her access to my personal email as well. So she's got my business email and my personal email, and then the general kind of you know support inbox for our business as well. And she handles everything. If it is something that I need to do, like I have to touch, then it goes into a specific folder. And there's another great extension for you guys. It's a Chrome extension if you use Chrome and Gmail, but it's called Inbox When Ready. And I need to put constraints on myself because I will tend to go in there and fiddle with things, but Inbox When Ready is it basically hides my inbox for me. If I go log into Gmail, it's a little button and it says show inbox. So I have to be very intentional about going in there if I'm going to go dig around. And so instead, I log into my Gmail and I go right to a folder that Kim has set up that says Trevenia Review. And that's where I go, right? And then sometimes I do, I click the show inbox and I see kind of what's going on in there. And then I have to go, no, that's not my job. That's not my job. So yeah, inbox when ready is a great plugin for you. Um, Even just to, if you don't have an assistant, even to just train yourself to be more disciplined about not being in email all day long. Oh my gosh. And I have multiple email addresses. And so of course I'm like, okay, well, I have to check this one and I have to check this one and I have to check this one. So when you said that zero inbox, it just, I automatically felt more relaxed. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. It's a stress inducer, right? And, and we work hard to make sure it's not a stress inducer for my assistant too, because I don't want to just transfer that stress to somebody else, right? And so you've got to figure out systems and ways that you can address things without creating chaos for someone else. We just don't want to pass the chaos onto your assistant. And so for us, it looked like what kind of automation could we put into place so that she's not answering kind of generic questions all the time. There's just so many ways that you can utilize technology to help you and help your assistant too. Well, that's another time saver is creating systems. And that's my understanding is, is that is a big part of your business because I don't know, maybe you can expand on this. I don't know how you work with clients to either create systems or work with their systems that are already in place. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So some people do come to us and they've already got SOPs or standard operating procedures, right? They've got things documented well, and it kind of becomes a little plug and play, right? We give them the assistant and they're off to the races doing the things. But sometimes clients come to us and everything is in between their ears, right? It's in their head and they have no idea. This is a challenge because then they don't know how to delegate. This is where they get stuck in that. I'll just do it myself because I just know how to do it. And so what we require our clients to do is actually use another plugin. I'm trying to give you as many free tools. (laughs) This is great. But this plugin is called Use Loom. So the word use, U-S-E, and then L-O-O-M as in Mary, useloom.com. And it's a Chrome plugin and you record your screen, right? And so it picks up your audio, but it sees your mouse clicking around on things. And so you literally do the task. So if it's booking a calendar appointment, you would do the task. And this is how I want my calendar. And if it's personal, I want it color-coded blue. And if it's urgent, I want it red, things like that. You literally take that little link and put it in a Google Doc, okay? 
put it in Google Doc. That's your job is done. Okay. From there, one of two things can happen. We can use some offshore support to actually document that and make it into a checklist, right? It's the cheaper way to do it, honestly. Or a VA, in our case, they're US and Canadian based VAs, then they can actually take that process and turn it into a checklist. And then you've actually now got paper SOPs that live in Google Drive. And anyone, should your assistant get hit by a bus, right? Anyone can come in and follow a checklist. And that's the best way to get that stuff out of your head. And, and we actually, we require that our, our clients do it because you are never going to get traction in your business if you keep all the stuff in your head. We might be able to give you someone and you can kind of tread water and keep your head above water for a little bit, but you're never going to be able to go the distance that you want to go if you just keep piecemealing stuff and giving them tasks. I often say, outsource outcomes and not tasks, Mm. right? And so if we can get the outcome that you want out of your head and documented fully, then anyone else can take over creating that outcome for you. Uh, Yes. I mean, this is, I mean, it's essential. Even if you don't run a business and you want to have somebody help you with something and you have very particular ways you like things done, then having a system in place to tell them what you want to do makes it easier for you. So you don't have to re-explain it to somebody else in the future. Yeah. I, I say all the time, like the VA can watch the video 10 times if they need to, like who cares, right? Like you record it once and get it out of your head. When we onboarded someone we call our house manager, she kind of takes care of like our house. She's the one that does our laundry and does all of those things. She'll pick up the kids if I'm going out of town or whatever. And we created, we call them field guides. We created a field guide for her so that she knew what she needed. And so there's a tab on a a sheet for her that is basically all the SOPs that she needs, right? How to do the pool filter, when the trash needs to go out, all those kinds of things, who to call if there's a plumbing problem. But then there's also these sort of resources for her of phone numbers for my parents who they're out of town. They live in another state, so not helpful, but she would have it if she needed it. In business, that can look like the first tab can be systems that you, the SOPs. The second tab can be what we call resources. So that's your headshot, right? That's your bio. That's all of those things that people need all the time. And you're like, oh, where, what folder is that in? (laughs) It's just, it's all right there. And then the next tab is really things that you need to be able to create an SOP for. That's kind of the brain dump of like, oh, I should document that. And so you can kind of just get all that on paper and have that as an external brain for you to go back to when you need it. And it's all about systematizing life. So we, I, I tell my husband all the time, that's too many clicks for me. Right? I tell him that all the time. And he gets so frustrated. He's like, oh, it's not that hard. So he puts that into the Google Docs so that I only have one click because I just don't like having to click 12 times to do one thing. So, well, it's a matter of, you know, we only have so much brain function to use in a day. And I don't know that everyone recognizes that. And maybe you can explain your experience with this. My experience is that if I have too much thinking to do, it causes a drain of energy and I don't want to do anything else. Yeah. It's Todd Herman. I don't know if he's the one who originated this, but it's called decision fatigue. Mm -hmm. And that's why you see some of the most successful people, Facebook, Zuckerberg, and Steve Jobs did this, right? Where they just wore like the same kind of black shirt all the time, right? Because they don't want to have to decide what to wear in the morning. It just becomes rote. I have oatmeal and two lengths of turkey sausage 
every single day for breakfast so that I don't have to go, do I want eggs this morning or should I want bacon, right? It's just, it's one less decision I have to make so that when I get here for work and the decisions I make matter, I'm not drained already by, you know, the things that I have to do. That's why I think uniforms for kids' schools, like, brilliant. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I can't even imagine having to figure out, okay, how, and then you have four kids. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, now what? Yeah, exactly. Something that kept spinning around in my head while we've been talking, and it goes back to the mindset. And I wanted to touch on this was I have a memory of when I first hired someone to do my lawn of how guilty I felt hiring somebody to do my lawn, like how I felt like when I got my house, okay, I'm going to do my lawn. And then I realized there's all these trees and there's all these leaves. And I'm like, I can't do this every weekend. Yeah. But I felt tremendously guilty because I grew up in a house where we did not have housekeepers. We didn't have gardeners. I mean, we didn't have any of those things. My parents did everything Mm -hmm. and we didn't have the resources to do that. And even though I was in a place where I have the resources, I still felt guilty. Do you have people who come to you like that? Yeah. I I think a lot of our clients have guilt and I can say, speak from absolute personal experience. I have guilt. You know, I grew up in a home where there were times in our life where I ate boxed cheese, commodity cheese, right? And powdered eggs. And that was breakfast for me. And my mom would put clothes on layaway at Kmart, you know, so that I could have clothes when I went back to school. And my kids, they don't have to worry about that right now. And that actually is a source of guilt and a little bit of fear of like, am I raising my kids to be spoiled brats? Cause mm. they have two pair of Adidas, you know, <laughs> like it, it bothers me. And I, I do have to, I have to kind of fight that. And I, I wouldn't say, you know, it's kind of popular these days to like have an abundance mentality and don't have a poverty mindset and all that. And I don't know where I stand on all that. And I definitely have to remind myself that, that it's okay. And the way that I offset that is that I have definitely incorporated giving into our business and into our personal lives so that my children can learn that there are people that have very little and, you know, that it's okay for us to get help. And I also have had to not justify it, but convince myself, honestly, that I am actually giving other people opportunities when I hire them to support me and to help me. When our our housekeeper was folding my panties, like I just struggled with that, right? I was like, someone else is folding my panties. Like that just feels weird to me. Like I feels wrong that I'm not big girl enough right, <laughs> to hold my own panties. I didn't want to feel like a diva. I didn't want to feel like, you know, mm-hmm. I should be on desperate or what is it? The house, real housewives of yeah. whatever, right? Like I didn't want that appearance to be there. And so, so much of that is offset by the way that I treat people. I think I talk to the janitor the same way I'm going to talk to a CEO and I like to shower my team with gifts. And so the gal that, that does our, laundry and all that stuff. She's got really, really curly hair. And just in conversation with her one time, she talked about how she heard about this stuff called diva curl, mm-hmm. which is like a hair. I have no hair, dude. So like I have no issues. <laughs> and so I ended up like buying her this whole set of this diva curl stuff that was like hundreds of dollars that she never would have bought for herself. Right. Because even though we pay her well, like we didn't pay her that well to be able to afford hundreds of dollars of hair care products. And so I, I think that 
we can offset some of that guilt by treating people really well and understanding that we are also giving them an opportunity. Oh, I really like that. There was something that I heard was James Wedmore said something to this effect, which was helpful for me, which was imagining where that money went to, which is kind of along Mm -hmm. the lines of you're helping somebody else in some way and actually logically thinking through, well, and when I pay my gardener, he can then afford to pay his rent. And then he can also afford to pay groceries and buy gifts for his wife and, you know, thinking that through. I mean, it kind of sounds silly having this guilt around this, Mm -hmm. but I really felt it. And I still, I mean, I think I struggle with it less, Mm -hmm. but it's still there. I still feel it. Yeah. Yeah. I still tell my husband, like, I'm still cheap at heart. Like, I don't care how much money we make. I still, I think it's dumb to spend $150 on a pair of jeans when I can go to the Goodwill, like literally still go to the Goodwill and I can buy that same pair of jeans for $4.99. And if I go on an extra special Saturday, they're $1.99. <laughs> then why would I pay that? When I left Amy Porterfield, this kind of makes me all choked up. But when I left her, she sent me kind of a going away present. And she sent me this beautiful Louis Vuitton bag. And she said, every kick-ass entrepreneur needs a Louis. Ah. And I was like, that's right. Like, I got a Louis, right? And there was this like sense of like, oh my gosh, I've made it because I have a Louis. But I never in a million years, still to this day, I would never buy myself that Louis. Like, I, I would never do that. So I wear it and I take it always when I go on business trips because I'm like, okay, I have a Louis and I'm all excited. <laughs> I'm a big girl. <laughs> but when I... I, this is what I tell. I said, I never have to worry about anybody stealing it because they see me in my like goodwill clothes or whatever. And they're like, that's fake. That's so funny. And you know, it's, it's funny, the things that we justify for me, it's the purses. It's like, well, you know, I only have one and I get yeah. a really nice one and it lasts me a really long time. And I got it on sale. I have to like justify yeah. all of these things to myself. Yeah. For me, it's travel. I love travel and I will spend money to go places because I love travel. We've got other friends of ours that they'll drive like the clunkiest cars or whatever because they really enjoy eating out. Like they don't really cook in their house and they, because that's good family time for them and they really enjoy it. Other people, it is their car. They want the Tesla or they want whatever. For our family, it it tends to be more experiential. Like I want to go do stuff. I want to go skydiving. And so I'll spend my money to go skydiving. I don't need fancy clothes, you know? So yeah, it's interesting. And, and it's okay. Whatever that is for you, it's totally okay. Well, I also like the prioritizing. It's like, okay, well, look, I'm prioritizing this in my life and I, like time. If you're prioritizing time in your life so you can create something or spend more time with your family to have those experiences, yep. then outsourcing would be a fantastic way to buy back that time. For sure. Oh my gosh. This has been fun. We kind of like went into this whole money mindset, which I, I really enjoyed. That's what I love about doing these interviews where it's not so scripted, right? I, I, where we can just kind of go wherever the conversation takes us. And because ultimately I think that, and I'm so not a woo-woo person like at all. So I struggle with all this, but, but I do feel that like whatever ends up being talked about is what somebody needs to hear today. So it works. Yeah. I love that. Like, this show kind of like skirts the border of the woo-woo sometimes, yeah. but I definitely have a very solid foundation. I mean, lawyer. So, (laughs) so, you know, kind of dipping my toes into this whole area is 
uh, interesting for me and I'm oh. learning a lot. And I figure, you know what? Other people have been doing very well for themselves and have these mindsets and they've done this work on themselves to get where they are. And so I need to be curious about how people got to where they are. And so when I hear stories like yours or other people's that I hear on interviews, it's fascinating to me. Yeah. I have a a coach. Her name is Jen and she's my fitness coach because in growing my business, I definitely put myself last for a lot of years and I had gained a lot of weight, like 70 ish pounds. And uh, so I decided like, okay, it's time. Like I, I'm going to drop dead from anxiety or stress or, you know, heart attack or whatever. And so I hired her to help me. And one of the things that she had me do, which I thought was the dumbest thing on the planet, like, and I tell her this, so it's no surprise. um, She had me do this whole morning routine where I got up and I had a pad of paper and I would literally brain dump all the things on my mind. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that was dumb, but okay, I wrote it down. And then she's like, then I want you to go and write a list of the things that you're grateful for. And I was like, okay, fine. And she said, and sometimes it will only be coffee. And many days, even still, it's still only coffee that I'm grateful for. And then she said, and I want you to do, because she was really mindful that I'm not woo-woo and using the word manifestation was like going to just turn me off and kind of shut me down. Right. So she said, then I want you to write down a list of things that you're grateful for that haven't happened yet, but I want you to write them down as if they have. And yeah. I'm like, okay, that's dumb, but I'll play your stupid game. <laughs> Right. And then she said, and then I want you to, to just set three things that you're going to do today. So setting your intentions for the day. Right. So I'm like, okay. And then I read a chapter of a book and then I do a 10 minute meditation. But for me, it's honestly about four or five minutes because I'm just not there yet. And then I can get my phone. So all of these things are meant to, for me to not pick up my phone and go right to email because that was how I started my day. So I did it and I would have to text, text her a picture of the scale every like week or every two weeks, whatever that that's, I think it was every two weeks. So I had been doing this and I text her a picture of the scale one week. And I said, this is filling a whole bunch of expletives. Stupid. If I'm working this hard and the scale's going up, I don't want to do this anymore. And she sends me a text and she goes, um, you lost weight from last time you, you went in. Like, what are you talking about? So I scroll up to the last picture I sent her and I literally had lost weight. But because I had been writing this intention, this goal, that it, as if it had already happened in my mind, I was like under 200 pounds already. And so at this point, it was like 200.7 or something. And I was pissed off because <laughs> I wasn't, it was the funniest thing. And so she was cracking up laughing at me, but I'm like, this stuff kind of works. Wow. It kind of works, right? And so it's been really interesting. And I, so I keep doing it, even though I think it's silly. (laughs) I think I'm going to implement that. That is fantastic. Yeah, do it. And then you report back on on all the funny things that you're like, I got mad that, you know, I only walked two miles because I thought I could walk three, like whatever. It's so funny. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, Trevinia, I have loved talking with you. Anytime, girl. Oh my gosh. Would you please tell our lovely listeners how they can learn more about you? Yeah. So you can go to priorityva.com or you can find me online at Trevenia. I actually have trevenia.com too, if you want to do that. Oh, great. At Trevenia, I got really lucky and I, I love Instagram. That's kind of like my fun place to be. Instagram stories is funny. You get to see all the behind the scenes of what I say is like the joke of my life because it's so funny. <laughs> and being a, an entrepreneur, 
who works with their spouse, who has four kids and moved from Denver to Georgia causes some hilarity to ensue. So uh, if you want some laughs, go there. You've got a great story, girl. And oh my gosh. Yeah. Instagram has been really fun lately for me too. I'm going to link to everything that we just mentioned and including all the links you were so gracious to give us all in the show notes. And is there anything else that you wanted to share with anyone that anything that we've touched on or haven't touched on? Yeah, for sure. I think that, you know, we, we kind of danced around the types of things that you can outsource to people and to get your brain going, whether you're brick and mortar and online business, or you don't even have a business yet download at priorityva.com forward slash 50 things. It's an idea, a task list for you to just start to get the wheel spinning of the types of things that you could outsource in your life and business. Excellent. I will link to that too in the show notes. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for joining me today, Travinia. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Travinia is amazing. She had some great tips for you and some great morning tips. And you know how I love a good morning routine tip. So I've created a free printable checklist that walks you through everything that she does. And I'm also going to link to everything that she talked about, all of the links that she shared, the resource guide that she has, all at dinacataldo.com forward slash episode 14. Now, when it comes to outsourcing, it is a process. I'm still working on this in my business. I noticed when I started this podcast that I didn't have time to work on the projects that I need to do to move my business forward. So I hired someone to edit my podcast so I could buy my time back. I've also streamlined some of the processes in my business, like scheduling calls with people using online programs that I'll link to in the show notes if you're interested. Now, I still have tasks that I need to take off my plate. That's just a reality. And if we want to create the business and the life that we deserve, we need to start thinking about this. We need to start outsourcing things so that we can do what we're meant to be doing in our life. I hope you enjoyed this and I hope that you got something out of it. And I would love to hear from you. Go ahead and contact me at Instagram. I'm at dina.cataldo. DM me. Tell me what you think and tell me what you want to hear more of. I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to Soul Roadmap. If you have a moment, I'd appreciate it if you'd subscribe, rate, and left an honest review on iTunes. I read every single review, so let me know what you want to hear more or less of, and I'll talk to you next week.